Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update Podcast, actionable information for industry leaders. Hi, I'm Kathy Ma. I'm Sean Fitzgerald. And I'm Tony Uphoff. Hey, thrilled to welcome uh, Dale Ford to the program. And Dale and I have, uh, have been friendly over the last couple of years. For those that don't know, Dale Ford is the chief analyst at the Electronic Components Industry Association, uh, otherwise known as ECIA. And he's also the host of the Channel Channel ECIA podcast. Uh, Dale has been in the data industry for decades. He was a chief analyst at Gartner, independent consultant, and uh, joined ECIA in uh, 2019. And I've been honored to uh, be a speaker. I had the dubious task of actually preceding a major presentation uh, at the ECIA annual conference. Uh, and I think folks were there to see Dale. He was nice enough to let me go on before. But Dale, first off, welcome. It's, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much, Tony. And you were a highly popular speaker at our conference. So we were glad to have you. You're too kind, my friend. You're too kind. Hey, well, let's let's start there, Dale. We we both spoke at that conference. I think it was two years ago. And and for those that don't know, um, uh, ECIA is what six seven hundred companies strong in terms of membership. That's probably the right range. I've never counted it up to be honest, but we have distributors, manufacturers, and manufacturer representatives that are all members. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's basically the the. Um, the, uh, the the ecosystem of the electronics industry and, and it's their their gathering and their association. I, I found it an absolutely fantastic group to interact with. Um, at that uh, that meeting, as you normally do, um, coming at it as an economist, you gave a, a fantastic presentation, Dale. That really I thought gave a great overview of the status of the electronics industry. W- without going you know in depth, can you give our listeners a brief update? How's the electronics industry faring right now? And, and I think particularly in light of the uh, the impact of the pandemic. Uh, that's a great, great area to start. You know, we've been very fortunate in 2020. You know, we went through a real whipsaw environment where first we were worried about losing supply coming out of China. And then we saw the impact of concern about demand. So, uh, and then everything, supply and demand was impacted both. But the good news is that in spite of the challenges we've gone through, the measurements we've seen for the electronics components industry, we had a good year. It was better than 2019. Semiconductors probably growing somewhere in the 4 to 5% range this year, or 2020, over 2019. Um, And even in the passives and electromechanical areas, while not as strong as semiconductors, they still outperformed uh, the tough year that we had in 2019. And so we're set up quite nicely going into 2021. In fact, we're probably moving more to a situation where we have concerns about supply in certain areas coming into this year. We've seen some announcements of, for example, some major auto manufacturers having to scale back production because they're not able to source all the chips they want, which um, is a, a real shift. But, you know, we're, we're, we just have finished the Consumer Electronics Show this week. And uh, that was the first time the show went entirely virtual. But looking at the trends 
before then and looking at developments that have been announced at the show, I'm very much a believer in what's called the swoosh scenario <laughs> for the forecast. You know, the various economists have put out um, the their forecast for the economy and the conference board put out their forecast. They had their most likely, but then they put out their upside scenario, which they called their swoosh forecast, kind of like the Nike swoosh. And I believe that we're on the cusp of some exciting technology advances that's going to drive some really exciting growth in our industry. Yeah. Well, Dale, first off, good good to hear that. And I, I keep close uh, connections because many of these companies that, that are a part of your group and, and, and beyond are advertisers of ours on thomasnet.com. And I'm aware of some of the trends. And I will tell you, if I go back into February, March timeframe, I, I, there were several that I was in contact with that would have not predicted that 2020 was going to be a growth year. And I, and I think the industry somewhat surprised itself. Let me segue into you just opened the door on some exciting breakthroughs in technology. You and I have spoken before about technologies that perhaps under the umbrella Dale of industry 4.0, but technologies like the acceleration of cloud computing, mobile, big data, IIoT, and 5G. Talk about the trends that you see and perhaps maybe some coming Dale out of the consumer electronics uh, show this, this past week too, but what are some of those trends that you think are gonna spur that swoosh uh, you know, lift as you uh, as you referred to it. You know, uh, we saw some really exciting developments on the technology space. Now, one that everybody is hearing about uh, is probably a good place to begin is the 5G technologies. And we had a number of presentations related to 5G at the Consumer Electronics Show. And the thing is, most people when they think of 5G, they think in terms of how the previous generations of wireless technology go, which is okay, it's going to increase the bandwidth and it's going to improve um, the coverage. The exciting thing about 5G is it's a standard that's much more all-encompassing of the entire spectrum of opportunities, not just you know, the high speed of, of what we would want on our smartphone, but it goes all the way through to industrial applications and provides a common unifying platform for implementing many of these solutions that we want to, to move forward with. Now, the early days, um, yes, we're going to see most of the headlines captured by what takes place with our smartphones. But really in the long term, we're going to see an expansion in terms of the number of connected devices per capita around the world. And that expansion is going to be, a big part of it is going to be uh, industry 4.0. So we definitely see things on track there. We see new semiconductors that are being launched. For example, Qualcomm announced a new chip that we have different frequency bands where 5G operates. They announced a new RF front end chip that will cover all of the different frequency bands that are part of 5G. So that's the type of thing we're seeing more advances in the enabling technologies that will be very helpful. Now, Moving beyond that, an, another big theme that really came out of the Consumer Electronics Show is robotics. <laughs> of course, Industry 4.0 involves a lot of involvement with robotics. And so we're seeing advances there. We've already seen exciting 
um, implementations of robotics on the factory floor. And so that's been fantastic, but we're, the advances there um, in terms of various types of robots. And, and again, applying technologies in different environments. So you can look at autonomous vehicles, for example. Well, that autonomous vehicle, that type of technology can have great implications for what we do in uh, the manufacturing floor and also our distributors as you manage inventories and distribution activities. And drones and a whole range of, uh, of um, distribution solutions that go into place and manufacturing solutions. So we're seeing advances in all of these technologies. Now, there continue to be concerns and uh, um, advances on, on addressing those concerns. Uh, we, we're making progress, but there's still a long way to go. And I, I would say that we've overcome many of the economic and, and business profitability concerns that have been out there. I think we're seeing many business leaders that are now convinced of the benefits of adopting these technologies and moving forward. However, on the other hand, um, the one that just is really stubborn is our cybersecurity issue. And the farther down the path we go, the larger attack surface area that we set up to be exploited. And, and I guess my two greatest concerns in terms of Industry 4.0 are the cyber cybersecurity issues. We see daily headlines there. And um, the, the hottest um, career opportunities right now are in cybersecurity. One of my daughters is studying it now. <laughs> it's a good field to go into. But um, I think we, we still have a long way to go with that, especially if you're concerned about intellectual property issues or, or, you know, or, or all the issues. I won't go into all the details. But then the other issue that still is, is there, which um, we see it, I, I guess the best comparison I can make is to all the things we try to implement in our smart homes. Well, the things consumers realize very quickly is most of this is still not compatible with each other. You can have all kinds of smart devices, but making them all work together in one coordinated, um, easy to use system in your home is not there yet. And the same situation still prevails in many ways on the factory floor. You have to go to the expense of, of having consultants and others come in to help all of these um, systems talk to one another. And we still have more work to go to for unifying standards and for interfaces that I think will, will be important if we want wider adoption of Industry 4.0. So, so Dale, uh really great insights there. So I think the two big things you mentioned at the end there, you know, uh, data security and, and, and you know, cybersecurity. Um, I think this idea of interoperability, it's, it's really funny, you know, history repeats itself, right? You know, I can remember, you know, being in business information where we catered to computer professionals in large corporations early in my career. And I really kind of grew up in that area. Boy, was that, you know, one of the biggest trade shows around was a trade show called Interop that was fundamentally focused at the interoperable nature of various tech proprietary technologies. And so I think you raised two really, really important uh, points. Let me ask you about a uh, per perhaps somewhat related aspect as we start to go forward. 
do you sense that the increasing use of artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, we, we've, we've seen some uh, hesitation around that in some areas. And part of it is, you know, just simply having the talent to run it and to get it coded correctly and organized correctly. There's been some, I, I'd call fear-based kind of concerns about it. In, any insights into where you see artificial intelligence playing a, a role, uh, you know, in some of the trends that we're describing? Absolutely. AI, artificial intelligence has an exciting future. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there's a, a, a video out there right now. It's, it's really primarily based on a vision of the future that's driven heavily, I think, by Elon Musk and his uh, colleagues. And he looked out the next three years, the next 10 years, and he, I think he even looks out like the next 4,000 years. <laughs> but you know, into kind of what they see as a utopia. But at the same time, my sense was that many people would view that and be terrified of some of the applications that they talk about with these technologies, many of them uh, reliant on artificial intelligence. So there are many discussions now about the need for setting up um, uh, platforms, communities to discuss ethical implications with regard to artificial intelligence. You know, we, we have some high profile, I won't name them, but you have some people who have very high profiles in the technology space who've painted some very dystopian pictures for the role that AI could potentially play in the future. And heaven knows there's plenty of uh, movies <laughs> that play out these uh, scary scenarios. And so we have to, I think it's a very important trend that we're seeing that companies are now saying, we've got to, to, at a company level and at industry levels, market levels, put in place some um, councils for addressing ethical issues related to AI. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, kind of sticking with, with, with tech, but going back to, to thinking about data, you know, you, you've had over the course of your career, a lot of experience in data and analysis and analytics, you know, the, the phrase data is the new oil has become a catchphrase over the last few years. And while it, it, uh, it is a little bit buzzy, if you will, it, it really does reflect the power of big data, data and, and particularly in my perspective here, the role that real-time data, so not survey instrument data, but real-time data is starting to play. Connect if you can, Dale, some of these enabling technologies and, and the use of data. What are you seeing there and what might you start to, to, I don't know if it's recommend or help enlighten some of our listeners who may be at kind of the early stages of their journey in this regard? Even before the pandemic, you saw some of the leading companies implementing real-time data solutions, for example, in website activity and creating tools for analyzing that activity and helping them uh, gain information that would enable important business decisions. Um, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to visit a number of major electronics component distributors. And on a couple of occasions, they were kind enough to actually, in the conference room, sit me down and show me the real-time activity that was taking place in gathering data and in analyzing that data from multiple dimensions. 
you know, they were able to filter out the bots. They were able to understand what was real traffic. They were able to understand where it was going, where it was coming from. Now, this is truly big data. I mean, we're talking incredible volumes of data hitting some of these large distributors. And so it required the use of more advanced tools to understand and analyze that data. And so there were exciting tools out there and leading companies were already implementing it. Now, <laughs> there are serious questions. We're not going to go back to the old normal, obviously. And there's serious questions now that um, it came up actually in a podcast recently that we did with Michael Knight at, at uh, um, TTI. And, and Michael was discussing with um, David, our CEO, um, how marketing and sales would transition in the future. We've had to go to a very different environment with the marketing and sales activities. And probably not going back to just the way we did those functions again. And so what we have now is the opportunity to expand the use of these different tools that allow us to capture and understand what's coming to our various websites, allow us to capture what's going on with our suppliers and with our um, uh, uh, customers and, and bring this together. Now, we have a long way to go to, to create a, um, uh, a unified environment again there. But coming out of this, you're going to see much more teleworking, much more taking place remotely, and companies are going to have to deploy tools that, that um, enable that. The other thing that comes into play um, are, are, are virtual reality types of experiences. You know, CES was always a great show where you could walk the floor and you could get up close and personal with the products and the technologies. And even though there were great videos and great demos that they made available on the internet, you really lost that up close and personal experience of interacting with the products. And I could see virtual reality playing a very helpful role in all of that going forward. And um, so there are many, many opportunities I see coming out of this. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, virtual reality is, is an example, and we have customers of ours that I've spent time with and, and examined where they're taking what has historically been um, a training that would take you know, a minimum of six months to a maximum of two years to really get somebody up to speed. And they're deploying virtual reality technology to get somebody up in a period of months versus a, let's say a year time. So the, the applications for that are really remarkable. Even a company of our size, and I've had these conversations with Michael Knight at TTI before, um, we built a system on real-time data and we now have the ability for uh, prospects and customers of ours, not the people using the thomasnet.com platform, the buyers of, of industrial products and services, but our prospects and customers, we can now have complete line of sight from interest where they might engage with some marketing material or come to a website through to when they become a customer, through to invoicing and renewing the customer. And we have complete line of sight of that. Now, you know, it's taken us a while to build that, but boy, the, the, the available uh, technology today, and I, I hate to use the expression cheaper, faster, better, but there is a component of that, is within the grasp 
of the average company today in a way, Dale, that that I, I would say several years ago, you're talking Teradata systems and some really large scale, major seven figure investments so that you'd only see, you know, very large credit card companies, let's say, or other companies. I think this type of real time data technology and analytics platforms and tools are within the reach of a lot of companies today. And the cloud has been critical in all of that is now we have all of these you know, take your pick, software as a service, services as a service, what have you. All of these that you're able to um, access these capabilities through the cloud with provisioning that's appropriate for the size of your company, for the size of your need. And so the economics of that have been unlocked, <laughs> have unlocked the opportunities there for deploying these solutions because of the cloud. We're just on the on the leading edge, really. Even though we've seen a lot of developments, there's still a long way that we can go with all of that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thomas Industry Update podcast. To hear the rest of my conversation with Dale Ford, check out the extended video cut now available on YouTube and linked in the show notes of today's podcast. 